Hi, my name is Jeremy Wagstaff. You're listening to Living in a Pandemic. It's April the 9th, 2020, and there are 1,048,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. 87,870 people have died. Can you hear me? How are you? I can. Yeah, I'm good. And you? This is Toby, a German friend I made in Singapore during my time as a technology journalist with Reuters. He was honest in wanting me to write about his company. But most of the time, we would visit tech exhibitions and trade shows together and try to get our heads around new technologies. Many of those ended up being stories, like the one about digital noses. You'll have to Google that one. Toby has continued to build his company, forever travelling to put out fires and seek investors. So when I caught up with him, I expected him to be frustrated at being locked down. Shows how much I know him. I'm good too. Where, where are you then? Germany. How did you get from Singapore to Germany? I thought everything had been kind of locked down. Yes. So what happened is we were in, in Singapore. Then we were in India um, at a time where probably a lot of people already <laughs> had COVID there. Went back to Singapore and then we went to Dubai. And the idea was to go right back to Singapore. Margaret's mother, my wife's uh, um, Mother, she had her birthday and we wanted to surprise her. So we flew to Germany, just thought we'd be there a few days. And this is when the lockdown happened. So we got kind of stuck here. But it's not the worst place to be uh, in this time, to be honest. I probably have not been as long in one place in the past three weeks or so. (laughs) (laughs) Or four now in a long time. Yeah, Usually Hmm. it's like uh, two weeks in a place max and, and, and a lot of travel in between. Wow. And the uh, photo you sent me looks like kind of quite nice weather there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Look, uh, it's a, it's, I wouldn't call it the early summer, but I mean, it's early 20 or 20 degrees or so. And uh, in Germany, you can still go for a walk. Okay. So it's not like a, a complete curfew where you only can go out to buy food. As long as you behave responsibly, um, you, you, can, you can go biking or jogging or walking. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Mm. You are an entrepreneur and you've built a number of companies and you're always very frank with me about the kind of problems behind the scenes which is very interesting but you're also a concert pianist you're also interested in you've got a piece of metal or or uh, an element stuck to your phone to kind of keep a ward away evil spirits maybe i'm not explaining that completely right but but uh, uh, basically your your interest isn't confined to uh sort of tech and and startups and angel vesting and, and what, what, where the next round is coming from. So uh, all that said, I sort of thought that your experience might be interesting too, given that you've been traveling around a lot, you're in Germany. And I realize it's kind of hard here because people aren't actually moving around. So they're, they're just getting a lot of this journey is internal. But I was kind of wondering where your head is at the moment. Are you kind of just seeing this as a, as a holiday, as a chance to catch up on emails? Or is there, is there another kind of aspect to it that, that uh, you're, you're finding uh, at this stage in the so, process? So this is a super question. Um, of course, it's more than one. And it depends, you know, whether I answer very, very personally or whether I would rather go into, into my business. <clears throat> so I think whatever I'm saying now is under the under the assumption that, that none of my close family, uh, friends circle is sick and, and suffering with, 
uh, this disease or or uh, God forbid even dying from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so which is currently not the case. So having said this, to me this is the most exciting time to be alive. No incident uh, like this has ever happened that affected the world like this. Not even an asteroid or you know, uh, you know in any any climate change fear. Not even a world war managed to create a situation in which in which governments could could basically tell its people you stay at home and people actually for for most of it um, are doing it worldwide that that creates a situation for the very first time where no matter what's your race your age where you're brought up where you're right now you're all in the same boat at home hopefully more or less so this, I think, going forward is the most pivotal moment of, of the planet's history because we never had, uh, though we're all having the same organs, we certainly never had the same type of cultural mind share as the world has right now. This is going to redefine the culture on Earth as we know it, not the culture in a country. But how people are experiencing this, this aspect is, is certainly driven by the existing culture in, in certain geographies. For me personally, this has been a most creative time. I, I think I'd like to think this, of this time as, as, as being like a phoenix that is coming out of the ashes before it happens. And I'm saying this because either you are an extremely successful company that will have to fight very hard through this time to remain and be relevant and 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 come out of these ashes of this situation after that because you have a lot to lose or you're on the other side of the spectrum you might have nothing but this crisis provides you with your but it puts you in the same boat as everyone else and therefore provides you with a opportunity again to rise out of these ashes which which is where you what you were anyway on top. So I'd like to think of this as a huge opportunity because everyone is in the same boat. I noticed this when, when people approach me in the last six weeks, I'm, I'm talking about it from a professional point of view now, and suddenly the fact that I can't see them in person, it simply doesn't matter anymore. In the past, if I didn't meet them in person, they said, ah, Toby, if you want something for me, come here. But you know, we, have, we are in a global business. I can't be everywhere at the same time. I realize that a lot of people are literally enjoying maybe their lives and their work a little bit too much because they're taking your time, they're sitting down with you and then later nothing happens. Now I'm realizing that only the people are calling me and having you know, virtual meetings with me who really have a genuine interest in, in, in working together. They're not wasting my time. And, and the distance in one way has made us, made us execute much better and closer together. So, and, and my team always has anyway been remote and executing successfully in a remote team. So from a, from a pure professional point of view, there's no change. Except that our clients, partners, investors and so on, they suddenly accept that fact. So that's, that, I think we would, I would say we've been extremely creative. We have more inquiries, both from investors and you know i i have my own you know uh, stories with investors from investors as well as from clients we have many more inquiries in the last six weeks than we had in the last six months which is quite incredible what yeah, do you put I, that down I think to 
this is what do you put the the uh, think, interest down to is it just that they're sitting on I their hands it, and actually can't waste time they've actually got to get on and build some business and do some business and this is uh, low-hanging fruit for them i think yeah, yeah that certainly covers one aspect i think there are some factors and they, they're, they're really like, like facts that are only coming into play now. They're only seen now. Like one factor would be, is this actually a viable business? Do I invest in this because 30 other people invested it? Or is this actually a viable business? People suddenly take the time to look at it seriously. Many times they don't. Right. If, if I'm selling something to a client, that client is now evaluating me based on merit, mm. not who, who I know. You know, right, right. The, because they all, they have time. They're sitting at home. What are they doing? Yeah. Like now I, I'll give you the best example is Easter. It's Easter holidays. I can tell you, I could reach any investor over the Easter holidays if I wanted to. You try this any year before this event. It is not possible because they want to have, uh, they, they will have some time with family or they will be on a boat or they will go somewhere hiking or whatever. You can't reach them. It is dedicated to the holiday. Holiday now for everyone is home. What to do? So, you know, I think this sort of, it's leveling the playing field and those who really have something to show for, they will come out of it on top. That is what I'm noticing. So, you, you, you know, what you really have to show for merit and, and quality and, and, and execution. It's not who you know, how many beers you drink with each other. It's actually, you know, what you really stand for that matters. But I mean, are you just putting a, a positive spin on this for, for the sake of an interview? Or do you genuinely feel that there is a kind of shift here taking place where dispersed companies, nimble companies that have been kind of pushed to the edges a little bit because size matters and the elephants are sort of trampling the grass, those elephants now are struggling themselves because they are not equipped to, to work with in, in these dispersed environments. And some of these fences between companies, the natural, natural deterrence to smaller players that are gaining the necessary foothold to seriously disrupt industries. Uh, do you genuinely think that's happening or is this uh, just a sales pitch you dreamt up in the five minutes it took you to get ready for the call? <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, uh, first of all, you're right. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that in any way it's not hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's terribly hard. It still is. Don't get me wrong. But I, I see, um, I would say it's, it's a different ground, you know, where leveling the, the, the playing field is what makes this different. It's, it's just not the same playing field if you, if, if you compete, for example, I personally, I, as you know, I have taken investments from high net worth individuals, family offices, et cetera, but I've not taken any investment from venture capital uh, and financial investors uh, as you know it, yeah, mm. for the time being. Because generally speaking, many of them have a very short, not all, uh, but many of them have a short-term view, which is one of my pain points, of course, because when you compete, say, with another startup who has just raised $20 million in, in venture capital, but is far from being on track to become profitable or having having the revenues that support the, the growth organically, etc. It's very hard to compete with their fancy office. You know the many people that they can employ, the perks they can give give to all the employments. 
But this is all, to me, this is all child's play. It doesn't really uh, genuinely mean that you're going to succeed. It looks like you do, but in, in reality, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really say anything about your business five, 10 or 20 years from now. What I like about this situation, and, and I'm not saying this because I want to sound too positive. I, I'm glad you, you said, look, it's hard. People still copy us. Uh, we don't know how, how things will play out. That's all there. But the playing field is leveled. Mm-hmm. And it's for the first time I feel it's a fair chance. And, and that is a different, that's a different uh, place to operate out from. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I mean, if the, if the CEO from you know, a company that has 400,000 employees and the CEO for, uh, uh, of, a, of a company that has four employees is working from, from their living room, <laughs> mm. that tells you everything, yeah? And I think the, the, the point that you make about this idea that suddenly everybody is, is reachable is is fascinating the playing field requires everybody to get their webcam working and zoom account set up or skype or whatever they are using but the 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 problem is that traditionally that you can you can work from home and i've set up a couple of companies for my for myself on a much smaller scale than yours but having a glossy website and and name cards and a decent home office still doesn't get you past the, the, the secretary. It still doesn't get you past the, the security guards or whatever in, in terms of clawing your way to, the, to anywhere near the top table in terms of business. It's still those connections. One thing I realized is that all the work that I put in into building these many top-level relationships or any relationships for that matter, no, forget the level, mm-hmm. just remove this. What I'm saying is any authentic relationships that I tried to build. And, and I looked at all the business cards. I, like, believe this or not, 3,000 business cards I collected in the past few years. Mm. 3,000 business cards. That means I've met these people in person. Imagine. Mm. So <clears throat> what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm not trying to chase them necessarily by sending a new LinkedIn connect. But mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the card and I'm like going card by card. Like, I'm dropping them an email and say, look, we met then and there. I'd love to catch up with you. And mm. because you had that previous physical meeting or, you know, a real life connection, it makes it so much easier to schedule a Zoom call. Mm. People, in fact, they are quite happy if, the, if it's not purely digital based now, but if they can reconnect with, with folks that they met, you know, maybe even five or 10 or 20 years back, even if now they can only do uh, virtual calls uh, or meetings. But if you ever had a, a, physical, uh, a, con- a physical interaction with someone in uh, in-person conversation, it, it's a much uh, easier way to do that. Mm, right, right. I guess this brings me to the sort of other part of this. So obviously, the conversation has gone in a, a different direction to the one I imagine, but actually, uh, it's a very interesting one. This is this is an interesting way to go. But this sort of question always comes up: is that the, how many of these things that we're talking about are going to be uh, things that endure? I personally feel looking at the past and being something of a historian monkey that mm. I uh, think we're, we're pretty poor at predicting the, the long-term effects of something, or at least we're, very, we're pretty poor at predicting that certain things that have changed temporarily will become permanent change and vice versa. And I'm wondering, mm. 
you know where you see this obviously it would be it'd be great if this playing field was permanently flat but do you imagine that when people start going back to kind of their old lives and putting up their walls and planning their planning their holidays and their easter parties and the, the sort of shutters come down do you imagine that things will change back or do you see this as an opportunity to build a, a slice of business if you can move quickly enough that it won't matter if things change back because you will have already change yourself to a point change your company's position to a point where you're in in a much better spot ultimately and the short answer is it depends how long this situation continues to be the way it is so i i in my personal opinion if this subsides in the next three to four weeks we definitely have a a situation whereas people will go back to normal really quickly um, sure, there will be uh, phenomenal consequences uh, for for economies, the planet, business, etc. That will all be there, but people will still continue to hug each other when they meet or shake hands, or you know, there will mm-hmm. not be a, a a permanent or semi-permanent change in society because of this. But if you imagine, I mean, there is no vaccine found, say this entire year, and perhaps not even next year. I mean, let's not forget. AIDS uh, is also, uh, HIV is also a virus. Yeah. Do mm. you know a vaccine? I don't. Well, mm. what's the guarantee we're going to find one in the next 12 months? There's no guarantee. Mm. There's zero guarantee. It may happen, it may not happen. It may never happen. What do we know? What I'm trying to say is the longer this situation persists, the more likely that whatever changes, whether it's a level playing field or whether it is our human uh, society habits, you know, shaking hands, greeting each other, the way we meet, the way we greet, that these things will be more of a permanent, or at least when you talk about history, you are talking hundreds of thousands of years, a semi-permanent change. Mm. So, so, you know, it's, it's impossible to say. I do think uh, that, first of all, personally, I don't think this is over in three or four weeks. I, I think, you know, until, for example, just the airlines come back to normal, we're probably a year out. And, and with that in mind, I think there will at least be a memory of this time. And perhaps one day there will be books like, uh, you know, Where Were You When the World Stood Still? Or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the questions that people will then be asking themselves. They will say, where were you when the world stood still? And then these memories come up. And, if, and these memories can command a certain respect to keep that uh, playing field level. Mm. I'm not saying it will. And, and by the way, I think there will be some terrible consequences, more than the virus itself. In society and economy, um, in the com- in the coming months, and and people will die out of other other causes, not the virus itself, but uh, triggered by the consequences of the virus. That you know, that will that may change uh, humanity as we know it f- uh, forever. But if you ask me whether they will go back to normal, I don't think so. And and if they ever go back to whatever normal was they will still have a memory, certainly, uh, for the next two or three generations. Right. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't argue with any of that, I think. So I guess the kind of last bit of the conversation is, you know, what, how, are, how are Germans taking this? I mean, it looked pretty good for, for Germany, but it does seem as if the things are creeping back up a little as they are in, in Singapore. It's a bit too early to say, Jeremy. If you... So I, I, as a as as a person born in Germany, 
feeling home internationally and, and having lived through this pretty much in the last few weeks uh, in Singapore, which is my base now in India and in, in Dubai, now in Germany, I, I, the first phase is like, why the heck do we have to be so arrogant and ignorant and cannot learn from Asia? That, is the, that was the first phase. I could not believe our leaders wasting that time and wasting that opportunity, not putting measures in place, fully well knowing reading in the news and having experts there, you know, in Asia, knowing what's going on. That's, to me, that is inexcusable, inacceptable, and hopefully some leaders will, will learn that arrogance has never uh, helped anyone. So that is the first phase. Now the second phase, however, once they did realize shit is going to hit, hit the fan, they acted swiftly, concisely. They showed clear leadership in Germany in particular. I can, I can say, I think France also. And they made, they made a lot of right calls. I'm not there to judge anyone in that position. What is a right or wrong call? But it feels, in many levels, it feels right. Look, I, if I want to, I can still go out for a walk with my wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I have to buy food for my parents, I can go and do that. I cannot travel. I cannot easily go to other states in Germany. That's fine. But you know, you, you don't feel that liberty, that the liberties you enjoy are completely taken away from you. I know other countries where you have no liberty. Here, if I order something online, it arrives. Maybe it's a day, I mean, in, you know, in Germany. If, if it's a day or two late, it doesn't matter. But the infrastructure, the logistics, they are working. And I mean, sure, again, th this is phase two. Why I said the question is a little bit too early is because now everything depends on phase three. In phase two, they have, they have made sure that the hospital has enough support, you know, that, that all the, the urgent matters are taken care of, but that the important matters are not left out of sight, etc., I mean, I don't think we will, we will, if they continue like this, we will, we will do really well, I mean, through this crisis here in, I mean, here in Germany. But if they open up too early, then, then we, it's impossible to predict, quite frankly speaking. Right. And, and you think the problem in Germany and elsewhere is going to become this sort of impatience either on the part of politicians or on the part of people who vote them in and out of office, that this shouldn't go on too long, that, the, that they, it's okay doing it for a week, it's probably okay doing it for three weeks, maybe even a month. But uh, when you start stretching much beyond that, then impatience starts to kick in and that's when the uh, poor decisions might be made, do you think? It's impossible to say. A lot also depends how this virus evolves. Look, if, the, if this virus says, I'm, I'm going to attack uh, um, mostly the elderly, then you could actually divide society. You could say, look, the, the younger ones, you, you go out a bit more again, but let's protect our elderly. Now, when that happens, I can see a big debate in, in, in Germany, but also Europe. We cannot divide society like this. We're all the same. Well, yes, we are, but then again, we are not. I mean, in, I'm in the middle, so I'm yeah. caught between these two opinions, to be quite honest. So yeah. I don't know. But I, I think, you know, how long can you uphold this you, you will not be able to uphold the situation for months and months. Mm. And, yet, mm. and yet, I think it, it will be impossible to avoid. I think the whole, the whole point of doing this is just to reduce the load on the, on the hospitals. As long 
as, as, a, as a country is able to maintain, because look, I don't think a vaccine will happen in the next one year. Per, that's my personal opinion. I don't think we will have a vaccine within the next one year. That's my personal opinion. If that is not the case and, and, and we slowly go back to normal, 70 to 80% of the people will get infected anyway. So you have only two choices as a government that you can make. You can break it down. I like simple thoughts. You have only two choices. One, delay the in- inevitable for as long as you can. Number two, whilst you do so, make sure that you, that, you, that you protect your people as much as possible. Means you keep your healthcare system functioning. You try to keep your uh, economy functioning. It's, it's, you can't win. You can only lose less. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is what many people don't realize. If, you, if you're leading a government these days, you cannot win. You can only lose less. That's Toby from his hillside German retreat. One thing about talking to these people, it's impossible to predict how they're dealing with COVID-19 and how it's affecting them. Of course, things may change if the Grim Reaper gets closer than you'd like him to be. We'll be catching up with Toby, as with all the friends I talk to on this podcast, in a week or so's time. If you have questions for them or for me or comments, you can reach me at pandemic at cleftstick.com. You've been listening to Life in a Pandemic, produced by myself, Jeremy Wagstaff, and Sari Sulasono. If you're not already doing so, please subscribe so you can catch future episodes and find old ones. And if you like it enough, make your feelings known on iTunes or whatever service you're listening to this on. If you'd like to comment or participate, please drop us a line at pandemic at cleftstick.com. My name is Jeremy Wagstaff. Goodbye for now and stay well wherever you are.